Hello, Luke here. I would just like to take a moment to disclose upfront that we sometimes talk about sensitive topics in our podcasts, and in fairness to our audience, we will try our best to put specific warnings in the descriptions of each episode. Now on with the show. And welcome to the Nostalgia Killers podcast, where we revisit films from our youth to see if they still hold up or should be inserted into the great DVD player in the sky. I'm Luke Lund, and I'm joined today by my great friend, Erica Smolin, aka DJ Two Smalls. What, what? <laughs> and we watched Back to the Future. Back to the Future. Steven Spielberg presents Back to the Future, a Robert Zemeckis film. Marty leads an ordinary life. No McFly ever amounted to anything in the history of Hill Valley. Well, history is going to change. And 1985 is not his year. But Dr. Brown is about to change all that. Are you telling me you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? He's sending Marty 30 years back in time. It works! It's a flying saucer from outer space! Now, he's trapped in the past. This has got to be a dream. About to meet... Chocolate. ...his future father. He's a peeping tough. Wow! And he's making an impression on his mother. He's an absolute dream. And he can sleep in my room. Anything you do could have serious repercussions on future events. Now, he's got to make his mother and father fall in love. Just playing out loud. I haven't even been born yet. And only Dr. Brown... <laughs> can help him get back to the future. Are you telling me that this sucker is nuclear? Precisely. Michael J. Fox. Whoa, this is heavy. Christopher Lloyd. There's that word again, heavy. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? Back to the future. All right, The uh, so the movie pitch, uh, the one I found, there's a bunch of them. Because this movie's been around, it's so popular, it's beloved. Oh, Marty McFly, a 17-year-old high school student, is accidentally sent 30 years into the past in a time-traveling DeLorean invented by his close friend, the Maverick scientist Doc Brown. Mm-hmm. And that's that's that kind of that says what happens, but it doesn't say everything. So it's it's pretty good. It doesn't spoil the movie. I, I like that one. True that. Um, it doesn't say a whole lot at all. No, no. It's uh, a <laughs> it's it's very very top level. Uh, yeah, not very deep. So, uh, what's your the nostalgia for you for this for this film? How did it? How is it? Well, I was thirteen, so seminal age, as they say, and I probably saw it in the theater. I would say at least ten times, probably right. more. <laughs> right on. Probably saw it total at least twenty times in my life, probably more. Right. So I was in love with Michael J. Fox. We got the eighties. We sure. have family ties. I think. Teen Wolf was after this. Just after, yeah. Right? Um, and yeah, it was my room was littered with um, cutouts from all the teen magazines of Michael J. Fox. <laughs> That's and, great. Uh, yeah, I was, I was obsessed, even though he was... How old was he again when he, he did was this movie? 20, 23. Yeah. So he was, he was smoking, little, smoking... 10 years older? Yeah, smoking cigarettes with uh, the director behind the, behind the camera. Yeah. But. Uh, I love it. <laughs> um for for me um i was five and 
I was go. I was in five or six. I was going to first grade in Columbus, Georgia, and I saw it at my friend Lauren's apartment. She was, I think, my same age, but her mother happened to work for a TV studio. For she was a programmer for television, so she had a a screener of the of the movie. So we actually saw it right about the same time it was in theaters on VHS. And we watched it like 20 times Well, you know, it was just me, Lauren and our, and our friend Monty, like the, the neighborhood kids, you know, wreaking havoc in a living room, jumping on the couch and watching this movie over and over and over. And that's my connection to this film. It's just, oh <laughs> what do you mean a screener? Like, I like, a, like before other people got to see it. Yeah. So like, what? so when, when movies go out to critics and stuff so that there, there, there are critics, there's you know, people can give stars before the movie comes out. They send pre-release screeners to critics, TV executives, things like that. So, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know remember what, exactly when it was, but I do remember that there was a little bar on the bottom of the screen saying screener only. No, do not reproduce. No. Do not send out. Yeah. No. I'm not even entirely sure. We were supposed to be watching it. We were, you know, five and six-year-old kids alone in, a, in an apartment, you know, just, <laughs> just uh, you know. <laughs> Just being kids and watching this movie. That's crazy. And then uh, one other really strong attachment I had to this film is uh, probably a couple years later, I was sitting in a room with my aunt and my grandmother, and we were we were watching it, and my aunt was noting all the cuss words, and my grandmother was writing down the times because she owned a Christ- Christian bookstore, and she was going to overdub all the bad words in order to rent it in her shop with what like darn just 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 silence just silent just nothing yeah Yeah, just nothing just uh you know just just cut it out no no audio but uh (laughs) but i was you know still like eight or nine years old but because my my mother is pretty liberal i was allowed to sit there and and watch the movie and listen to all the cuss words so my aunt my aunt would just say every now and again shit damn (laughs) <laughs> shit <laughs> you know yeah that's it i mean i'm like there were not a lot of curse words in that no movie. no no but that that's a very strong memory to me is, is sitting there with with my family <laughs> just uh wow yeah i was like running out of friends to go see the movie with because you know <laughs> i would do that with every movie I, that i loved i just run through all my friends my side sure. friends my that's awesome cousins whoever i i have this later for in trivia but um this movie was number one at the box office for three whole months, and that's sure. that's that's still a record. Sure, that's insane. And that's I, I'm, insane. The the more we do these older movies, I'm realizing that th- this was their only venue. You know, we didn't have streaming services, so if it if it still made money, they kept it in theaters, and you can tell like things like Indiana Jones. Um, yeah, I mean, you you can tell how much the zeitgeist loved the movie. By how long it stayed in the box office, and this Back to the Future number one still has the record. And it looks like it was released in the summer, which is like super popular time. July third, and like yeah, people it's... went to oh July third there. How convenient. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that later. I'm sure. Oh no, we can talk about it now. Just in terms of the um, patriotism. Sure. Uh, one one weird thing is that the so the movie cost nineteen million to make. Its opening weekend, it only made just about eleven. Mm. So people weren't exactly going to the theater right away. They they were doing 
they may have miscalculated the July 4th crowd. Gotcha. But uh, the movie did end up making uh, $213 million. Oh, so like, in it, that year? Yeah, well, in, in gross. So like, in gross, okay. in like theater and then um, I think vi- video sales later and all that stuff. But uh, it did, it, it, it succeeded immensely, but just not that first weekend, which was a little strange. That is so strange. People even, were into their hot dogs and hamburgers I, and I guess fireworks. So. Maybe there there were a bunch of other movies coming out at that in that summer. I think uh, Top Gun. Oh yeah, that may have been eighty six. Uh, I'll have to relook that up. But there was a like summer movies back then. That was eighty six. Over <laughs> overshadowed each other a lot. That's true. But but once oh, this I miss those days. <laughs> but once this movie took off, you know, it's like we said, it stayed number one for three whole months. Oof. That's just that's insane. Unheard of. So how about uh, any specific scenes for you? You know, I love, for some reason, I love all those uh, coffee shop scenes. The diner? Yeah. Or yeah. the diner, yeah. Yeah, um, I like it too. Just the, I mean, specifically the first one, just, you know, he's sitting right next to his dad. They do the same motions. We do the same motions. We got Biff. We have the, I don't know what that camera angle is called, but you see his face. They did a lot of that in this movie, I noticed, like. Yeah, his reaction, sideways camera face reaction, whatever mm-hmm. that is it was called. A, Dean Dean Kundi is the uh, the cinematographer, so it's it's very very rich, cinema wise. Yeah, 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 for yeah. Sure. A lot of closes, close ups, and just reactions, and and Michael J. Fox. It was just I just remember oh. laughing so much in the theater and everyone laughing around me. Now that's kind of hard to imagine, right? But just like laughing at those reactions and just the, you know, Biff coming in, we're introduced to Biff and his his cronies. Yeah. Um, and even the scene with uh, Lorraine when he's first asking her out and she gets kind of a glimmer like, oh, maybe this guy has something to him in terms of George asking her out. Right. Being his. Very, very shortly. Uh, yeah. I'm, your, I'm your density. I'm your density. <laughs> the crispin oh, crispin glover oh crispin glover yes oh my god <laughs> um and yeah so that's one i have a few more you want me to yeah. talk about them now yeah go for it okay um and then i think right after that going into the whole skateboard scenario that, I mean, that's one i have written down is like that whole sequence yeah. is is really beloved to me even now, I'm just like, that was rad. Even yeah. though it wasn't even like anything. It wasn't Fast and Furious. It wasn't anything major happening. Right. It wasn't Black Panther level of like a chase scene. But it was like, you know, he's going from car to car, wooden skateboard, and then to end up in the shit pile. Come yeah. on. Yep. Yeah, it's classic. And they, they do that gag for the next two movies, which is great. Do they? Re- oh, that's right. Where he always, oh, yeah. en- always ends up in manure. Always ends up in manure, hauling manure. Um, and then the dance. I always love the dance. I love any dance scene, anything with okay. some choreography and some music. Um, the whole Johnny Be Good thing. You know, if you're in love with Michael J. Fox, then he's and he was really playing guitar in parts of that, right? Uh, he he was shown how he was. was he was shown how to do the motions because he plays guitar or did. Um, in, in my, in my research, it was, it was all overdubbed, um, okay. but he was, was, he was, he was shown how to, where to put his hands. So it looks like he's, Aww. he's doing a fair, better job than most people do. 
when they're pretending to Luke, play an do instrument. do not ruin my childhood fantasy. All right, right I'll just, we'll just, I'll, uh, we'll edit that <laughs> part out. Can you tell me? Yeah, yeah he's, he was playing he and really... singing. That's really his singing voice, too. Thank you. <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't ruin my 13-year-old love affair. <laughs> well, that's, that's the podcast. I'm sorry. Uh, all right. You killed my nostalgia no, no. just there. No, no you can't. You can't. I, I, only in this research for me, I realized I... Um, I learned that they actually had to overdub most of the movie. So like really? even, even, um, I'm even listening to it now, I can hear it, but before I could, I never could tell. It always sounded really clean to me. So it was really well done, but especially during the, um, the storm scenes in order to get the wind kicked up, they had to use an actual like jet engine. So there was no, <laughs> no taking audio <gasps> from that. So everything that's outside during the storm is overdubbed in a studio booth afterwards. Wasn't everything overdubbed? They did a lot. They did a lot. That was it. Was kind of factored in, but not not this much. Like pretty much listening to it again, I can tell almost everything was overdubbed. Wow. Oh, I'll have to watch it again then. With that. Yeah, with with I do do with headphones. That's how I I watch them. Okay. And you can tell you can tell like sometimes it sounds cagey, like they're in a booth. Sometimes the the environment doesn't quite match. Yeah. Okay. I'll have to pay more attention. No, I don't but, want to actually. More nostalgia killing. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not gonna do it. Uh just just I really couldn't couldn't pick like my favorite scenes in the movie. But I did notice the gas prices in nineteen eighty five. They were a dollar ninety in the Texaco. In in California. That's a lot. Even that's even for much, back then, right? that's a lot. But that's it was California. But I could I could live with that now, let me tell you. Uh, I, I just passed the gas station today. It's back up over five dollars. So wait, so it was really it said that I remember that. Yeah, part. It was, it was one, it was, that seems like a lot for them. I don't know. Was it supposed to take place in California? That's my other question. I don't think they named the place, but it's kind of obvious that it's the outskirts of L.A. Sure looks like it. I mean that that is exactly where they filmed it, but uh, in the movie, I don't think they really. It could be Middletown anywhere. That's how they kind of set it up. The twin pine to the lone pine. Yeah. But are there pines? Yeah, there's pines. I oh, guess. yeah, there's, there's lone pine, California. I mean, there's... Okay, true. All out there. How about any... Uh, right. any how about any bad scenes? Did you notice? Mm. Any, did you notice that you <laughs> didn't like this time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, sure. I don't like any rapey scenes. Yeah. That's... Uh, that's <laughs> uh, are, I mean, I don't think there's any bad scenes in terms of the movie cinema wise i just think the content looking back on it is you know even then you got an icky feeling you're like whoa biff's hand is up her dress yeah and she's like pleading for help like that's pretty dire goes on a long time too a long time it, yeah, yeah and like her legs are in the air and that that just struck me as wrong and then she just gets up and goes with the next guy who saves her to the dance and falls in love yeah it's written written by old dudes yeah that's a theme we're noticing going back to all these old movies is that uh kind of just gets brushed off and overlooked and like yeah yeah no big deal but yep just a little 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 potential sexual assault hanging out in there <laughs> little yeah. peeping tom and then the guy she ends up with was like a peeping tom uh, a peeping tom yeah stalkery peeping tom delightful you know the, okay here's here's the thing in terms of scenes i never really 
could get into, I felt like it was, it's not superfluous, but it always felt superfluous. I don't know that if that's in terms of what that means, but the whole lightning striking the clock tower. Right. He has to get back. That's the way to get back. But it's, I don't know. I was always kind of done at that point. <laughs> maybe not, maybe not the first time. Yeah. But maybe just because I knew it was coming. Sure. I was kind of shut down. I'm like, okay, like going through the motions. Ah, we're scared. Yeah, the thing falls. You got to catch it. I don't know. There's something about that. And I haven't figured out what it was that I was just, I'm, I'm kind of done with the movie at that point. Right on. I never thought of it that way, but I can totally see it. Um, yeah, I mean, they're just kind of tying things up. The end, you know, Doc doesn't want to know his future. Marty wants to tell him. And in my research for the film, this time, the uh, the script went through a lot of revisions. And mm. I, I read some of the earlier stuff that they did. I don't have, I unfortunately didn't write it down because I'm very professional. <laughs> but uh, it's wildly bad, the other stuff that they had. <laughs> the, other, <laughs> the other ideas, like... The time machine was supposed to be a fridge. What? How boring would that have been? That's so boring. Uh, it, it was basically the refrigerator and the nuclear explosion in uh, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. It was, that I was don't even remember that, but sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was totally ridiculous. But uh, yeah, so like you you being checked out at the end of the film, I can totally get because there's, there's a lot of things in here that don't doesn't work for everybody. Uh, once it gets, you know... It bounces between emotions, but it also gets gets sciency, and that the science, even the people who are into the science of it, are like, no, that's stupid, that's bad, right? So it's <laughs> that's it's, it's, it's not it's not it's not a, yeah. People people talk about this movie like it's a the perfect film. It's taught at UCLA. The script being like the right. perfect the perfect screenplay ever written. Blah blah blah. But yeah, I I did for me watching it this time, and like I've I've seen I do I listen to a lot of essays and stuff about film anyways so i've i've been doing research on this film for the past 20 years anyways but what i noticed big big time this time when it happened was that they really whitewashed chuck berry's music not not to not to trance your uh one of your favorite scenes but having the white guy come in and be the hero uh yeah it's just wow it's not even subtle anymore it's just it kind of just hits you on the face well, I, not I only that, I mean, and then the whole idea like Goldie's going to run for mayor because he suggests yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It, yeah. It, I mean, it's basically like the white guy saves the world. Yeah. It's it's very white knight on everything and whitewashed. I, I don't even, I can't even say but, but that's, <laughs> that's the way this is written. And this is actually written, the, their whole idea for this started in the 70s. So they worked on this for like 13 years. Before they got it made. So it went through a lot of different iterations. Oh, wow. And it the thing is, it never left these two white guys. So they never got yeah. like, consultation from anybody. Not that anybody did back in the 80s. But uh, sure yeah, that, that for me, talk about tuning out the whole car scene at the end. I kind of tuned out during that. I think mm. I, start, I started reading something about the movie and I forgot to go back and watch it. Really? But um, yeah, I mean... I don't know. It's not that I hate it, but you're you're right. It's the the sexual assault is is kind of it's used as a plot point, which is very common, unfortunately. But it it is just brushed off. I don't know. Pretty much like, anything to do with Leah Thompson and the mom is just all brushed off. She is just purely um, a plot point. Yeah, and they're 
they're sticking to their 1950s social mentality big time. Uh, Absolutely. E- even in the 80s, there's no, no changing unless someone goes back in time and changes them kind of deal. Um, unless we have anything else, any other good scenes or bad scenes? I mean, it's going to all go into nitpicks probably. Okay. We'll just move on. We'll go to the, uh, this movie is cocktail mocktail, which is, uh, just basically a Pepsi. A what? A Pepsi. Just a Pepsi. Just like in the film. Um, Was it Pepsi free? Pepsi free. So there's that Mm. old caffeine free version of Pepsi. Um, (laughs) you also add a little, you could do like a, well, I guess you can't. Is it Jack and Coke is Coke. I do, I do it with Pepsi too, but there's also Lorraine is actually pouring vodka into all her stuff. She's a very Ooh. strong alcoholic. Lorraine's got some issues, man. Yeah, uh, and it, it's treated like it's normal for <laughs> that generation's coping mechanism, I guess. I just read something that said she was uh, depressed, like a depressed alcoholic. Yeah. Addicted. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just, Pepsi's easiest to go with for yeah. now. Yeah. It's in the middle of the day. I don't feel like. Yeah, pour, I, didn't, I didn't have anything for that. I didn't have anything for that. So Pepsi works. Right on. So we'll uh, go ahead and take our first ad break. And we're back with Act hey. Two The Evidence Board. So we get some trivia, some making of, behind the scenes, casting mm-hmm. alternates, things like that. So, uh, like we said, it released July 3rd, 1985. Cost 19 million. Ended up making over 212 domestic, over 300 worldwide. Very, very successful. Obviously went on to make number two and three. The, uh, the writers, uh, well, it was written by Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale, directed by Robert Zemeckis. They were both told that the studio was going to make sequels with or without them. So they, uh, they, they signed on. Smart move. Um, alternate casting. Are you aware of who was Marty McFly? So Eric Stoltz. Yeah. Eric Eric Stoltz. Stoltz. (laughs) Um, great actor, obviously too serious serious and rubbed everyone the wrong way on, on the film. So they, they filmed for five weeks. Oh, was he like a jerk on set or something? That, that couple, part I co- don't know. A couple times, yeah. Is he being like method or something? He was totally method. He they had a, he had everyone calling him Marty instead of Eric. <gasps> method McFly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and the, and the, the, the cafeteria fight scene with Biff, um, he actually pushed uh, Tom Wilson like way too hard. Wrote, like, a lot of times it ended up uh, almost breaking his collarbone. And, you heard Biff? Uh, yeah, exactly. That's like that's how I can't imagine how wild Eric Stoltz would have to be. But he was taller, you know. He was also it. It, it worked out cinem- cinematographically later because Biff is Tom Wilson's much taller than than Michael J. Fox, and it just you know it it set up the the hero villain thing much better. I it's think it's much funnier. It's much yeah, funnier that yeah. way. Yeah, for sure. I forgot her name, but there was also another woman cast as um, Jennifer. Who was also the same height as Eric Stoltz, and oh, once, once she never, she never even got to film anything. She got to do like a promotional photo with Eric Stoltz, and she got cut because she was way too tall for Michael J. Fox. <laughs> so that they they brought in Claudia Wells, who ironically got replaced for the sequels because she was too busy 
doing other shows. <laughs> what was she in? What else was she in? I soap operas. I I don't remember. I okay. don't remember her. I don't even remember that's, her from this. That movie. sounds familiar. Yeah. But uh, Elizabeth she, Shue, Elizabeth Shue yeah. stepped in. That's right. Brilliant. And they, and they like passed her off, and like most people didn't even notice. Oh, travesty! <laughs> travesty. But yeah, that's that's pretty much all I have for alternative casting. It was this film took thirteen years to get made. Whew. The when they were shopping it around, Zemeckis and, and Gail were shopping it around. Disney. They went to Disney. Disney said hell no because of the incestuous car scene really and then everybody else was like we need more of that car scene they're like hell yeah because things like fast times at ridgemont high all these raunchy teen comedies were coming out and they thought this was going to be a dud yeah exactly Mm. so this barely got made uh they they kind of went back with their tails between their legs to their friend steven spielberg who kind of behind the scenes secretly helped produce this I always thought he was the producer for some reason. He's he's an executive producer, okay. which which, which kind of means he doesn't really have a say in what happens in the film, but he helps get the money done. Yeah, and that that's how it got made. I mean, it was it was a good thing. Thank God, Stephen. <laughs> so we got Leah Thompson, Tom Wilson, Crispin Glover, Christopher Lloyd, Wendy Jo Sperber, Mark McClure as Marty's sister and brother, and then we got um, two kind of. Breakthrough, not breakthrough actors, but like this is their kind of first ish film is uh, Billy Zane and Courtney Gaines. This is they're the they're Biff's uh, lackeys. They look so familiar. Yeah. And so did his siblings. I can't. I know I've seen his siblings I, in a million other things. I thought so, too, but I don't recognize any of the, <laughs> the stuff they're in. But uh, yeah, oh, really? I mean, yeah. Well, oh, I'm, I, I probably would if I saw it. Maybe. Um, I mean, there's, you can, you can spend, there's more behind the scenes interviews and making of material than than it is of all, all three episodes. Yeah. Uh So we we could go on forever and ever about this stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's just a fun, fun movie. I just, if, if it's, if it was ever on television, I would leave it wherever it landed. I'll finish it. Oh yeah. So the, the next section is called the usual suspect. And this one was, was somewhat easy, but also. I had to like, I tried to do it from memory, but I had, I had to dig through IMDb. So this is uh, c- movie connections from films that we've done on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So unless you're familiar with that list, this won't make a whole lot of sense to you, but uh, I'll, I'll go through what I have. Uh, so Leah Thompson right after this actually did Howard the Duck. Oh yeah. Which, which we, we did. <laughs> yeah. Um, she also did uh, Wildlife with Eric Stoltz right before this. So that's weird. She, she kind of got cast because she knew Eric. Oh. Um, there's, I mean, there's a bunch. Everyone will tell you a different story, no matter. I mean, depending on who whose interview you're watching. Um, let's see here. Crispin Glover did two episodes of Family Ties with Michael J. Fox, so they they worked together even oh, before they did this movie. That. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. We have to talk about Crispin Glover. Okay, we'll do that. We'll do that in a minute. Okay. These are some reaching. Uh, connections here. So Eric Stoltz and Billy Zane were in Memphis Belle in 1990. Oh. Do you remember that one? I probably saw it, but I did not remember it. Okay. It's it's one of my favorite films. Um, there's a bunch of like big name actors, people you'd recognize now. But uh, yeah, like the whole time I was watching this movie, looking at Billy Zane, like he's he was next to Eric Stoltz in another movie, so I found it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Christopher Lloyd was in Buckaroo Banzai with Peter Weller, uh, who's in RoboCop. That's another episode that we've done. Oh. And that was right. That was kind of how Christopher Lloyd got this job. Uh, Buckaroo Banzai, the, one of the producers, recommended him for this. And he came in and, and read. And he was from Taxi, right? Yes. Okay. He's in a lot of things. Actually, I was looking at his IMDb. He's got over 250 credits. Amazing. Which is a lot. And he's still going. He's got 11 more coming out in the he's next couple of years. He's still going. Yeah. He's still going. Yep. Whenever I see him, I'm just like, yes. <laughs> and then we got uh, Buck Flower, who is the bum. I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with his history. No. He was a kind of a softcore porn star in the 70s. What? And his his uh, his movie Orgy American Style is on the marquee behind him in the scene that he's in. No, that's the triple X movie. <laughs> yeah. <gasps> this is amazing. But he also went on to, to do like this film. You know, it's a PG-13. You know, he, he went on to do family comedies and things like that. But he has like the widest range of, of, of films. What? So from... did they, they knew that? I mean, obviously oh, yeah. They, oh, yeah. It's, it's a very, it. very deliberate uh, Easter egg in there. That's amazing. But uh, he was also a bum. He, he kind of plays a bum in all of his, his movies. But he was also in Escape from New York with Kurt Russell. And we did Overboard a couple episodes oh, that's ago. That's right. Um, that, that pretty much ties that up. Um, there's some other connections, but it's like really, really reaching. So you want to you talk a bit more about Crispin Glover? I mean, I wish I researched more about him. It's just such a... He's such a weird guy. Yes. And it's just, it's such an interesting choice. I mean, it, it totally works, but like, how, how does that even work? I don't know. I've, and everything I learned about him from this film was that he was like impossible to work with. Yeah. He's supposed to be really hard to work with. He didn't like the ending. He kept trying to bring in all kinds of really deep <laughs> uh, actor ideas to this yeah. very top level service character. And he just, uh, he's not in the, he's not in the sequels. He's not. No, nope. no. Nope. They, they like Zemeckis was kind of like, eh, no, <laughs> let's figure out how to do it. So I don't know if you remember the second one, his father's got a, a back problem. So he's hanging upside down. So that's how they figured out how to like make his double kind of look even more, even if he doesn't look right, he's upside down. So it was hard. He's to upside tell. down. Yeah. So they did <laughs> oh this God, the whole this. elaborate thing to like cover up that. He wasn't in the movie. That he's not there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a bummer that he's not there, but he's, I could see it. I could see it not working out. He's, he's a weird guy and a weird actor, but he did bring a lot of depth and interest to that character somehow. And it was always a little off to me, but it always still worked in the same Oh yeah. Same I, all of his, all of his uh, colleagues, his actor friends loved him. Like they, they thought he was the funniest person on set and he was doing the funniest job. So it's a really weird, it's hard to say, you know, for maybe for the admin, he was, he's a nightmare, but for the, the, the character in the movie, he, came, the he brought, he like brought a lot. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He, I mean, and everything else I've seen him in, I, I've always loved him, but knowing, knowing this about him, I probably would never want to work with him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I'll, like yeah. the, uh, what, what's Rivers, Rivers brother's name? Joaquin. Yeah. Maybe he's like a, I don't know. Always kind of reminded me of Joaquin phoenix sort of situation sure yeah you hear, you hear all kinds of stories and it's the the weird thing is is that a lot of these actors are going back and forth between theater and movies and they they maybe have a hard time separating the two 
because people, people in theater take it very seriously and they, they study yeah. it hard and it's it's life to them they, they trod the boards that's right that's right <laughs> <laughs> i like him but every time i see him now i'm thinking what how many takes did this director have to you know Whoa, make, is that make my the, plane or your plane that's yours you want, you want, you want to wait a minute yeah okay so loud. <laughs> i can see that making sense that he's just such a theater theater guy yeah, uh, I mean, well, apparently a lot of his problems on this on this film was that he was so new to acting that he was nervous. <sighs> but he's got a lot of credits from before this film, so it's it's not this wasn't his first rodeo. And didn't he like stop acting for a while or like quit acting? He's, he's got a very sp- very sparse IMDb. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I and it's and it's really it's a really weird eclectic <laughs> listing of movies i love it um yeah I, I i cherish that he exists on this planet but yeah i don't want to work with him good way to put it <laughs> i'll let him know okay cool <laughs> i'll text him right now all right cool sorry Crispin. not happening you just, you just call him crisp i just call him crispy <laughs> crispy niblets all right you want to move on to nitpicks yeah Ugh, so many <laughs> go for it Oh, man. Well, we got Rapey Biff. Yeah. You know, um, we talked about the car scene, also the whole lunchroom cafeteria scene. He's like basically sexually assaulting her at school. And the, I can't remember the bald, uh, that guy's name, the teacher figure. Uh, St- Strickland. Strickland, yeah. James Tolkien. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, that's not even what he comes over to uh, stop. Yeah. It's just like the fight. It's just yeah. like it's it's okay. And she just and just the whole um idea that she's kind of accepted that this is sort of how if you're an attractive, quote unquote, thin, you know, woman right. in the fifties, like these are just kind of things that sort of happen to you and you just have to be like, ah. I mean, she does slap him, which I love, but it still takes a man to come over. Right defend her honor also to save her while she's being assaulted and just a big sigh yeah big big sigh there we have the libyan nationals some more stereotypes yeah Um, there's some contention about that too um after 9-11 they did some editing to the film and kind of cut out the whole terrorism angle as much as they could really yeah so if it was broadcast on television there was an edit uh, like the word terror, yeah. The word terrorist was cut out. Um, it was a weird choice, but yeah, it's it's definitely and it's I'm I'm pretty sure those guys weren't Libyan. They were not Libyan. I was going to say I'm sure they were not Libyan. They picked like brown people, or they put them in brown face, or they just put one of those um, scarves to make them look Libyan. I can't remember what they're called on their heads. Well, and yeah. Then they're like speaking gibberish. Yeah, that are supposed to sound like they're. Uh, speaking i don't know if it's supposed to be arabic or what it's supposed to be they're just like yeah and then he says go like well he's also um, wearing he's wearing a saudi arabian headdress it's not even that's what it was yes it's like oh that was saudi Arabia. is it specific okay i did not know yeah it's the it's the red the red and white red and white checker that's that's specifically right see there you go like who would know that in the 80s unless you're from that culture if yeah, you're just exactly. like a white 13 year old you're not going to necessarily know that so that was annoying to see now and annoying to look back and kill my nostalgia and then <laughs> like i did not 
would not have noted that. Also, they're in a VW. Is there something to that? I don't know. I think it was just a California symbol. Like the, the VW bus, surf culture. Like they were hiding out in that to blend in or something? or uh, Who knows? This, this film... It's weird. It, this film did cost $19 million, and I'm wondering if they just had a shoestring budget. There were some things they were cutting, you know? Like, yeah. I don't know. What, what would you choose for a vehicle in 1985 for some terrorists? A caddy. Caddy? How would, how would they get the RPG out the window? Kind of want something with a sunroof? No, just do it out the side. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Just do it out the side. Right on. Yeah, caddy, a, caddy, one. a caddy might have been able to keep up with a DeLorean, though. That's the... <laughs> right. Yes. Much faster than a VW. Yeah. Those buses, I don't think, got up to 55. No, they're very slow. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. So the whole... Oh, yeah. I was... I was a little upset that Einstein was like, um, you know, what do they call that when you experiment on animals? <laughs> animals. Animal testing, yeah. Yeah, it was like animal tested, like monkeys going into space or something. I was like, yeah. oh, it's Einstein. Don't do that. Well, uh, you mentioned that um, it was originally supposed to be a chimpanzee. There you go. So. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Is the dog better or worse? I guess you have more sympathy for a dog in the eighties or something. I don't know. Yeah, it was it was a, a change made by the studio exec who actually wanted to call the movie uh, "Spaceship Man from Pluto" or something like that instead of oh. "Back to the Future." It was a really oh, bad wow. idea, but he, he had some other demands, like Lorraine is the name of his his wife. Whoa! So that, that's why Lorraine's the name is in the movie. Was she a depressed alcoholic? <laughs> I, I didn't go that deep into research. I don't know. But I'm, I'm guessing yes. No. Um, also, yeah, we talked about peeping Tom. Gross. Ew. Yeah. Stalking. And it's appar- apparently rampant because it's it's not the first one that the, her father's run into. He says, one of those dang kids fell <laughs> ran in front of my car again. Yeah, like everyone's looking. Right. Because Lorraine is <laughs> uh, an attractive and a woman. Yeah. Um, I was also a little annoyed at the Jennifer character just in terms of, or even the moms. It's like all the women are actually not the teenage women um, from the eighties, like uh, Marty's sister, but they're all just like the doting girlfriend, the doting mom. Yeah. Window dressing. Oh, are you okay? Like taking care of the man and just blah, finger down throat. Yeah. Uh, once again, written by two old white men. Yeah. Uh, so what's not, going on for them? Not, not excusing it, but that's kind of, that's the, the genesis of all these most of these problems yeah gross got any more no okay i I totally agree with all everything you pointed out there's these these are the things that we find in almost every movie we go back and watch oh no i'm not done okay what you got what you got i had more where did i put them somewhere else or did i write it somewhere else oh yeah i mean the fact that this white kid invented rock and roll yeah. He invented the black politician. <laughs> he, what else did he invent? He invented wealth for his family. Yep. Um, uh, all the consumerism, but that's the eighties, man. That's, that's the Reagan years. That's what's happening in yep. the eighties. So just seeing that reflected, um, annoying. <laughs> There's no, no excuse for it, but the, like the whole point of this podcast is to look back at those things and realize, you know, maybe we shouldn't cherish these we can, but we need to realize the bad parts too. Yeah. Um, I totally agree with everything you said. It's, it's also been uh, noted and, and talked about in, in, at length by many other people, far more qualified than I, 
Um, but I enjoyed learning about this stuff. Um, one of mine is um, when Doc steps out of the DeLorean for the first time, the amount of smoke <laughs> that, that piles out of there. Um, you would notice that. What? What's wrong with the smoke, man? Well, Cheech and from, Chong. I, I know. Hey, if it was, if that's what it was, I'd be all for it. But uh, so as as an actual like production person, I don't know what he was doing in there to to get oxygen. Because yeah. he's he's sitting in the car full of smoke. I don't know if he's holding his breath, but that that's actually particulate smoke. It's either smoke. It, it shouldn't be CO two. If it's CO two, it's going to completely displace the oxygen. So I don't know if he had an air tank while he was in the car and then they yelled action and he opens the door and it comes out, but that's way too much of whatever it is to be sitting in <laughs> waiting for the director to go. <laughs> and they like, like it is noted in other things I've seen, but it, that never happens in the movie ever again. There's no more like smoke or fog or whatever piling out of the, the car. So like, what was it? What was that smoke? Something I never noticed and <laughs> it's a lot. never the, care about. The, the next time you watch it, you'll be like, oh yeah, that's a lot of, that's a lot that's of smoke. too much smoke, man. Yeah. Blown smoke. I, I, think I think it was a Cheech and Chong reference. I'm going to go that. <laughs> um, I have another nitpick. It's, it's a real nitpicky thing and it's, it's not even really from this movie. So at the, uh, if you're, if you can remember the end of the second movie when the DeLorean's flying up above and it gets struck by lightning. Mm. And the the fire trails make the looks like a couple of nines. I don't remember that. Okay. Well, normally the the fire trails are on the street. You know, it goes between their legs. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yes. So there's at the end of the second movie. You know, Doc doesn't even want to. He's not even trying to go back in time or whatever. But he gets struck by lightning, and there's two little nines appear. And there's some discussion on the on the internet, of course. Like, what do the nines mean? Are they upside down sixes? What are they in reference to? Blah, 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 blah. One thing I haven't seen, which I noticed rewatching the first movie, in the background of the lightning scene, or at, at the, you know, at the end, there's a sign for an auto shop with the same shape of a nine, a yellow Ooh. arrow that goes around. If you go back and watch it, you'll see it. But at the, the name of the shop is Western Auto. So, the, so the nines at the, at the end of the second movie are in reference to Western because he goes back in time to the West. Hmm. But like, I haven't, nobody's, I haven't, as far as I can tell, nobody else has noticed this connection. And Maybe I, it's a lasso. Eh, I don't know. But I, <laughs> I, I, I noticed that I noticed this sign in this movie after reading this and like, it's just obvious. If you watch them together and you look at the sign, okay. you'd be like, oh yeah, that's what that is. There's no other shape like it. Weird. Six 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 devil. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, that's my that's nitpick. They're into in the eighties. Tipper yeah. Moore. Oh yeah, big big old <laughs> satanic panic. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, that that's my you know stupid nitpick. It's not so much. It's not the movies at all. It's the people on the internet that I'm nitpicking. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Your people are all wrong. People are wrong. <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and take our second ad break. So we're back with Act Three, the award categories. Uh, let's start with who won the movie. I put Doc. Okay. I, w I wanted to put anybody, anybody but Marty. Oh, yeah. I, I kind of have a... Like, like you mentioned, um, he is the white knight, the kind of the problem in the movie. <laughs> but yeah, I like yeah, Doc. He's, he's the white savior. Yeah. Yeah, Doc's, Doc's invention worked. He was right. Got vindication. He's got... 
He's got a time machine now. He, I was thinking of it also in terms of like, I guess how I interpreted that question was like, I don't know about solely acting, but kind of like Crispin, he has sort of this theatrical feel that is like, he's eccentric. He's allowed to be eccentric, but he also grounds the whole movie mm-hmm. in the same way. Um, I don't understand how they met if it's just in this space time continuum loop. Like, why are they so close? Right. I never understood that part, but we might get into that. But I think, I think yeah. Doc, just in terms of what he did in the movie, um, maybe Christopher Lloyd won the movie. Yeah, very good. I, I like that a lot. I actually didn't write anything down because I, I sat and thought about it and I couldn't come up with, I mean, there's, there's tons of great acting. There's tons of great characters and performances. And I, I got to say, I, I like the Michael J. Fox version. I can imagine the Eric Stoltz version of this movie and, and it being very different and just mm-hmm. n- not succeeding. I like Eric Stoltz, but this is the wrong part for him. Yeah, we're going to get Mask if we, if we have Mask <laughs> yeah. doing Back to the Future. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, my new band name. You got any, you got any memorable quotes? <sighs> You know, I always turn any kind of name like this into a drag name, so I don't know. Um, uh, in terms of band name, my first one was Flux Capacity. Right on. I also have Buttheads, because <laughs> they were, you know, Marty's band was the Pinheads. Right. Um, Oedipus Complex. Yeah, there you go. That's uh, very yep. poignant. Probably, probably deeper than the movie ever thought to make it. And then, uh, of course, 1.1. Uh, 1.21 gigawatts. Gigawatts. Right on. Yeah. Are, like I, gigs. 100 gigs. Yeah. <laughs> I got this. Uh, I, I forgot about this gag that uh, Doc Brown says, but uh, it's, it's the only one I wrote down. It's a uh, rhythmic ceremonial ritual. I love that line so much. That's what he calls the under the sea dance. I really uh, wanted to use that for something. <laughs> I had it in my head, but yeah, that's, that's good. It's so, it. it's, it's so. That's the name of a song. Is it? I think it's good. No, I think that would be the name of the song okay. instead of a band. Yeah. Very, very well could be. I, I do that a lot on here. So, <laughs> My opinion. <laughs> um, updated movie title for 2023. Would, does this movie need one? No. Yeah, I, I put down it's too iconic. It's, there's no way no. To, to redo nope. this story with a different name. It's just, it wouldn't, everyone would be like, no, it's Back to the Future. Shut up. Absolutely not. Oh, wait. Actually, did I write some? <laughs> I say no because I really meant no, but then I wrote some down. The uh, heck? Okay. These are dumb, though. McFly Me to the Future. <laughs> um, oh, well, this is going uh, when we talk about this later. Uh, make the Future Great Again. Oh, boy. Yeah. So, kind of like this MAGA esque uh, <laughs> nostalgia 50s thing going on. Gotcha. Gotcha. I see the connection there. I was like, no, it doesn't need a name. And then I come up with some dumb names. I love it. It's mm. a very, very difficult category. We almost never come up with anything. Maybe you need to take that question out them for future. Uh... Yeah. We, so every 10 episodes, we're going to do like a, a rewrite or mm. a revamp and, and try to like hone in, you know, and there's a couple on here that are kind of redundant and yeah, we just need to sit down and we, mm, need, gotcha. we, need, we need feedback too. So after we're done with this, I'd love to hear anything you, you, any changes, ideas you have. Um, we reach out for feedback. We don't get any except from our friends. So I'll, I'll take anything, you know, any, any outside perspective. So the Roger Deakins would be proud award for cinematography. Um, this, this whole film is great for me. It's, it's Dean Kundi. He's, you know, obviously talented and competent, 
Um, are there any scenes that stood out for you? No, no scenes for me. It was more just, um, I, get, I don't think this is cinematography necessarily. What plays a part is the, the special effects. <laughs> special, quote unquote. Right. It was very, I think at the time, great. But now looking back on it, like the disappearing hand. Yeah, yeah, it's rough. You know, like that, that kind of stuff was kind of like, rant, rant, and like the flames going through the legs. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's it's mismatched. So I think on the, the first one, when we're, we're doing a reverse shot and they're, we have the car's point of view, the flames do get lit up between their legs. But when we go behind them, they're actually on a blue screen and you can see like it doesn't match. It's a bit off. Yeah, Not they, at all. they didn't have they didn't have like special effects supervisors back then. Kind of, you know, they didn't they did, but they, they didn't they weren't on set all the time and planning things out the way they do now with computers. And, and they were like, uh, hey, nobody will notice. That's fine. Yeah, it's a really quick shot. But right. um, it's, Very it was, now. yeah, yeah, but it was done by ILM. So industrial light and magic, mm, um, the same mm, people, yeah. you know, it was under, that was back when it was under uh, George Lucas, Lucasfilm. And that's actually one of the reasons why the movie was almost filmed in Petaluma. <gasps> Petaluma was almost Hill Valley. No. Yeah. I was having this theory that it's, the, it was Courtyard Square, Santa Rosa. There's, there's that mind. too. I don't, I don't know what it looked like back in the eighties. Probably not like that. Probably yeah. like that. But uh, I was also thinking Sonoma Square. That's yeah, a huge, beautiful so. park. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's the that's one of my favorite things about this movie is that it was almost made in Petaluma. Because we have <laughs> we have so many movies that are made in Petaluma. That's true. Because it has that 1950s old town look. But yeah, I mean, ILM. Yeah, the effects are very dated. But that's part of the nostalgia for me. I really liked the uh, the practical effects that were added to the DeLorean, like all the, the wiring and the stuff on the outside. I thought they did a really good job of making it look like a time machine. That DeLorean is iconic and a space machine and a, yeah. or a like a space invader. What is it? A UFO. Yep. Comic book UFO. But uh, for, for me, I know, watching it again this time with my eyes glued to the screen, the opening shot of the camera moving around Doc's laboratory and watching all the robots and stuff that's all that's all a one take and it tells all the beginning story exposition there isn't a person feeding it to you so it's like these are all the clues this is what's mm. happening this tells you how the story is before the first person even shows up in the camera i thought that was brilliantly done because usually i can't the, take my eyes off that every time i see it yeah like, yeah wow. there, there's just enough eye candy and and clues to keep you watching and tell you everything you need to know to jump into the story. Except, why does Marty have the keys to his place? Yeah, they just knew each other. Why are they so close? Eh, who why? knows? Why? Because we need the movie to happen. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> just, just let it fine. go. Let it go. Fine, fine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, the rest of the film is, is very easily watchable and entertaining. There's, There's no... It doesn't get boring. There's no... I don't know. I don't have any critiques of it, really. Nope. Cool. So the uh, Hans Gruber Deathfall Award. You remember Hans Gruber? Why do I know that name? Uh, Die Hard, the very end of Die Hard. Alan Rickman mm. is, is, the, is the villain Hans Gruber. That's right. And it's this, it's this cinematic shot of him falling <laughs> off the building, just getting smaller and smaller. Oh, um, uh, I love it. That's just what I named the award. But um, I, I put down, I put down uh, Biff falling down on the car. The, the final punch. That's that a pretty dramatic fall. Oh, the twirly, twirly fall? Yeah. And then just the, the collapse. And... <laughs> yeah. Big tree going down. 
Um, I missed that question. Am I supposed to like nope. who? Do- nope. If you don't, if you don't come up with anything, don't worry about it. Okay. I think I missed that. Uh, controversial hot take. You got any, anything, any ideas that would make someone rewatch this with a different light? This is a Trump propaganda movie Ooh. where you Love go back in time and everything's great again. You're more prosperous. You have a chance to redo everything. You are the savior in every respect. But also there's it like it. the movie thinks it's a liberal movie, but it's really a conservative movie. Interesting. That's my hot take. Right on. I love it. I would we, we we live for the hot takes. <laughs> I would I would put Zemeckis and Gale as conservatives for sure. Oh yeah. And fiscal conservatives cuz they mentioned we have Ronald Reagan mentioned uh-huh. even though like well he's an actor. Yeah. There's a there's a story I read. I don't know if I believe it or not, but they the film had to go in front of Reagan to get approved. But then I I read another story where they watched it for the first time with Reagan and or, or Ronald and Nancy while they're on vacation, and there was like a, a weird awkward thing because they mentioned is his previous wife. But it also says that that was the first time he watched it. So I don't know which I don't know which story to believe. I really don't care. Yeah, I read one that said, oh, he paused it at that line when they said, what do you mean, the actor? And then had him redo it again, but he also liked it. Yeah, so who knows? Who knows? A uh, bunch of lying turds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I dig it. I can totally understand it. It is, and it's pretty true. Like, Well, isn't number two, <clears throat> excuse me, so I haven't seen it in a while. I saw them back to back at the cult movie theater, or the cult movie thing in Santa Rosa, and... Wasn't the second one like Biff is basically Trump or maybe we were all seeing it through that lens because Trump had just gotten elected when we all saw it. Cause like he had this book and he was super. Well, there's, Trumpian. there was that, but I, I think cause the, cause the movie came out before Trump became that kind of Trump. And it was, it was really, it was, I don't know if he, if he existed as that kind of villain in order for them to model Biff off of, but I think they just modeled Biff off of what would happen not in new york in new york he was very much known as well i mean he said he was a democrat back then but people in new york a lot of people i know he was a villain i mean he did the whole take out the paper ad in that's right central park five that's right yeah he like my aunt actually would see him out at like studio 54 like preening and like he was known as a dick okay I, I was you know, on, I, yeah. and so for sure in New York, he was known as a big old douchebag. Right on. So there's a, there's a chicken and the egg issue here then. Yes. And, and yeah, I'm, I totally see what you're saying. And a lot of people go back to the second film as, as being prescient of what was coming. Mm. So I don't, I don't know. Real I, time I, travel I happened maybe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, and I don't, I don't know. I mean, they, they obviously created a good villain. I don't know how far they leaned into Trump and then it just became obvious once Trump became president. I mean, that hair, (laughs) it's very very true. I need to study the second film now to to like think about that more, but it was, it's very, it's very, the connection's been made uh, in the past five years easily. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Do I hate this movie now? Oh no! See, I ruined it for you. <laughs> my my controversial hot take, which I wrote down during one of our breaks because I couldn't think of anything, is that Marty's kind of a turd. He kind of Marty, yeah, he kind of mm-hmm. gets everything he wants. He has to he has to fight for some of it, but he's still white knighting. Literally. I don't know. He is manipulative, 
it's not that it's not motivated, but I don't know. I don't like Marty. If if I knew him, I yeah. probably probably wouldn't hang out with him. I can see that. Yeah, he didn't. Watching it now, I, I was kind of like neutral towards Marty. Lost your lost your love. I or... lost my love. Um, yeah, you know, I think it was more about like he was cute and his put his. I always put his hand behind his head. I think he just his physicality and he did a lot of physical humor in the movie. Like it just. He worked for the part. He did it well. Yeah, for sure. But, but other I, than that, yeah, he's kind of, a, he's I, kind of, I like Michael neutral. J. Fo- I like Michael J. Fox, but I don't like Marty. Yes. Yeah. We, we can separate those two. I think. I think so. Cool. I'm, I'm happy again. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> uh, how about uh, time for another Spider-Man award? Would there be need for a remake or a reboot? Please don't. <laughs> that's that's I what, beg of you. I mean, there was a stage play, right? There was there was a play and a TV show for a short time. That's right. In the early nineties, play maybe. Okay. I mean, maybe if there was cool effects. I mean, if they were in it again, if they were in it, I would go. If if they yeah. if they were in the movie or if they were in the play, I would go. This this might change your mind about Christopher Lloyd, but uh, he wanted to do number four where they go back to ancient Rome. Hmm. I'm slightly intrigued. <laughs> uh, it seems like a disaster, <laughs> no. disaster to me. Yeah, I was done by three. I was like, all right, what's Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, well, lucky for us, uh, Bob Zemeckis and Bob Gale have it written into their contract because they own the rights to the movie that is mm. for, for as long as they live, it will not be remade or rebooted. Well, they're getting up there. Yeah. This could happen in our lifetime, Luke. It, it could be me. We could, we could, uh, <gasps> let's, okay. let's, let's if write you number did it four. And- yeah, if you let me consult, <laughs> we, we can talk. Hell yeah. All right, cool. We'll we'll get started and, and hope for the death of two old white men. <laughs> That's my hot take. I'll put that there. Okay, I like it. Uh, the Be Kind, Please Rewind Award. Uh, good or bad, is it worth the rewatch? And would you show it to someone who's never seen it before? A thousand times, yes. Yep, same. Uh, despite its, its foibles, its problems, and maybe it's even more important to show somebody and point out the problems to yeah. to like kind of link to the mentality that we have today and contrast and compare you know or not uh the neil breen struggle for relevance award uh do you know who neil breen is i do not okay he's a <laughs> i'll send you a link to some of his stuff he's a very aspiring filmmaker but one of the worst <laughs> um yeah and that's that's i think saying it very nicely mm. He is, uh, he's the writer, director, and hero of all of his films, and they are the worst things you'll ever see, but they're, they're so, so bad that they're good, that they're funny, at least for a little while. Is that, is that the one that James Franco tried to no, do? No, no, oh, this, okay. is, this is beyond that even. <laughs> oh, wow, beyond that, okay. Uh-huh. I'll, I'll, I'll send you some stuff. Uh, Please but, do. But this category, I mean, he's, he has themes, he, he likes to talk about um, saving the environment and stuff like that, but these hmm. are... He's just doing it because it is a popular theme. He doesn't really care about the environment or anything like that. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, this, this, this award is kind of a, a redundant thing anyways, but the struggle for relevance, are, are this movie and its themes relevant today? And I, I was trying to think, what are the themes? What are the, the morals? I mean, I'm going back to it's the whole make America great again thing. I don't, that's probably just my biased lens. But, gotcha. Yeah, I, I can totally um, understand that. Doubling down, as they say. Yeah, I, I, the only thing I could think of was I uh, take a chance, be brave, but it's kind of a, it's really watered down, not very strong. 
I don't know. It's just you can a fun. Do anything you put your mind to. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Oh boy. You can be rich if you. It's basically like consumerism to me. Like you can have a lot of stuff, be rich on things. Um, if you what stand up for yourself, get the girl, ugh, protect the ones you love. It's very fifties. Yeah, it's pretty lame. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. No, no, it's, that's fine. No, yeah. it's a. Uh, there's, there's. If there's nothing there, it's a very Neil Breen thing. So it, it works. Okay. Okay. Uh, rainy day pairing, the best double feature or triple feature, for this movie while under a blanket at home with snacks. I, e. I put E.T. Right on. Mm. You, you didn't even want to stick with the franchise, huh? You're going for a whole other nope. movie? Yep. <laughs> awesome. I was lazy and I just put down two and three. Yeah. But because that, that's pretty much what I do. If I ever am watching the first one, two and three are just, they're naturally on afterwards. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. From my, from my nostalgia point of view, it's going to be E.T. And then if I want to do a triple, I'll throw in Top Gun. There you go. I don't know if you've watched that recently. I watched the new one. Okay. I watched the old one. It's bad. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like I'm really, sure it's bad. really, really bad. And, and not to be uh, crass or anything, but really, really gay. Like I'm not, I'm not saying lame. I mean like, yeah, it is homoerotic. Oh, to, absolutely. To the core. Like, and they all have great cores. So. Oh yeah. Grace, uh, Goose and uh, <clears throat> what's his name? Goose. Maverick. What's his name? Maverick. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The outfits, the hair, the volleyball, the, smiles, the, the love, the volleyball. Yeah. Oh yeah. I noted that on the new one. I was like, this is such a gay scene. And <laughs> yeah, going for it. And she was, she came out after that movie, right? Kelly McGillis. And Did she come like, out? What? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, there's this, there's this whole thing, this whole like question because in the movie, the love scene isn't really a love scene. It's kind of just them sitting I don't know, in bed. <laughs> and, it, and it's like the same thing happens. She's in like, the, nah, fam. Right, right. And there's just the second thing happens in the in the second movie whether they either get interrupted or it just doesn't happen. Ugh. So there's a question yeah. of whether or not uh, what's his name is even good at like sex scenes. He did like Eyes Wide Shut. But even then, I don't remember. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I it's really a don't. Romance. It's a, it's all about the, bro- the friendship, quote unquote. Romance, yep. quote unquote. <laughs> The homoeroticism, no yeah. quotes. No, I, yeah, it was great. I mean, the movie's bad, but it, it's a it's, watch. it's an eye candy. I don't know. It, it did a crazy for Navy recruitment when it came out. That's and it's somewhat ironic, but that's exactly why my dad went back into the service. Was Top Gun? Like it was just really. Obvious. He was in the Navy. He got out to go to college so he can go back in as an officer and become a pilot. What? But he he had a, a knee injury, so he ended up going in the army instead. But that was, that was that was exactly why he tried to go back in the Navy was to become a pilot. <gasps> I wonder how many people can you make that Th- film? Thousands, yeah. Or that documentary? It's out there. I think I, I think there's some some stuff. How about many it. people went back into the military due to that? Or just just, just just joined? It was it was made in concert with the Department of Defense. So like they they made it. Department of Defense <sighs> oversaw it because they had to use all their their toys, you know, their airplanes and the right. And the stuff. So in order to do that, they they made it a recruitment tool, and that's oh exactly what it was. Nineteen eighty six. It worked. Yeah, it it worked really well. Um, 
All right, the next one. The Sonic Death Monkey Top 5. Wait, what did you say? It cut out a little bit. The, the Sonic Death Monkey Top 5. Do you, do you remember... Um, Sonic Monkey Top 5? <laughs> did I miss that one? Uh, uh, possibly. It, it was at the end. This is the very last one. Oh, I might have missed that. But uh, Sonic... Um, have you ever, you ever seen um, High Fidelity? Yes. John, John, John Cusack, Jack Black. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Sonic Death Monkey is their is the name of their band. Oh, at, that's at the right. end of the film, and this is this is taken directly from the movie where they sit down. Okay, give me your top five songs that ever made you sad. So this is the I I mean I kind of spaced on this one, but I put down what are your top five top five time travel movies? Okay, yeah, that's what I meant. So it was the top. It was the travel. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have this um, thing called being a seasoned person on the planet where I don't remember things anymore <laughs> unless sure. I look at something else. So when I looked at the things, when I looked at lists, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. So we're going with um, some lists that I saw that like struck that nostalgia chord with me. Time Bandits. Okay. I saw that uh, floating around, too. I don't think I've ever seen it. So I should, I should put that on my list, huh? <laughs> Terry Gilliam. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, I'm going with Bill and Ted's. All right, that was that was almost on my list. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't remember. It's like I really don't remember movies unless I like. Oh yeah, no, the they. I uh. I saw. In in the movie, um. High fidelity they they come up with these on the spot and they think about them but for this i i say like everyone needs to like go and look at imdb look at a list oh wait here's another list yeah my brain doesn't work that way so I have nobody to does okay. yeah uh, oh it doesn't no you people who think about and talk about film all the time i bet you had some in your mind eh. um already there's probably more recent ones that i've seen like bridget would probably say something like it's that one is cloud atlas one of them or something Oh, was it? That's another one I haven't seen. Or like Sliders, one of them. Okay. I don't know. I think I remember that. Yeah, I don't have much to say on that one just because okay. I don't remember movies other than when I saw that list. It was like, oh yeah, Time Bandits for sure. Okay. I'll check um, it out. Yeah. And uh, Bill and Ted's. Bill and Ted's. Right on. I got, um, you ever seen Idiocracy? No. Okay. That one... I don't know if it would work for someone who's never seen it before, but it is pretty funny. It's it's one of those older uh, 2000s movies where okay. it's not it's not bad. I mean, it's funny. Uh, you might want to try it. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. But it's it's Luke Wilson, and I'm uh, spacing on her name, but she's amazing. She's an amazing actor. Anyways, they do an army experiment. It's written by Mike Judge, the guy who does Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. And they, they do an army experiment where they go into cryo and they wake up 500 years in the future and everyone's really dumb. <laughs> yes. So it's it. pretty, it's pretty funny. Like it's, 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 that I mean, amazing. and yeah. that, that's another like, uh, people, uh, metaphor people or a simile people made with the Trump presidency and the era we lived in. Mm. So there's a lot of that and it's from the late nineties, I think. So it's, it's kind of prescient. That right? sounds funny. Yeah. I think it's be, I think it'll be worth watching if you've never seen it. Okay. Um, number four for me is Terminator 2. I like the Terminator movies. I don't remember two specifically. I think that's the first one that kind of turned me on to filmmaking and stuff. Mm. It was just really well done, I think. Stuck with me. At the time, I was living in an apartment complex 
right next to a mall that had a movie theater so I could walk over and just go into the movie theater. It was awesome. Dreamy. Uh, Number three, 12 Monkeys. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Really weird, really bad Brad Pitt performance, but I I do watch that all the time. (laughs) Uh, Number two, and this this question's can be kind of vague it can, it can be kind of uh you, you can wander but for number two i have groundhog day <gasps> Duh, yeah so it's not necessarily stepping in a time machine but like yeah. things that mess with time yeah uh, groundhog day was great i've seen that a million yep. times thousands of times um and then my number one is eternal sunshine of the spotless mind oh yeah and that, that's that's awesome there's a yeah. there's like a loop that they end up doing inside of the movie while they're forgetting each other and themselves which I, remembering. I, yeah. That's my, my favorite kind of movie is the unreliable narrator and, you know, a mind fuck kind of fuck with reality movie. That's my yeah. favorite. Yeah. Yeah. The Eternal Sunshine is my number one time travel movie. That's how much is I like that it. Charlie Kaufman thing. Yeah. It's Charlie Kaufman. Okay. Okay. I'll have he's, to watch that. He's, he's got yeah, some, my some brain problems. Doesn't, work, doesn't remember things that way anymore. Talk, talk about uh, man boy. Uh, Need, needing women, oh. needing women to come in and save his life and all that stuff. Oh, really? Okay. It's it's a it's a, it's, it's a theme in Charlie Kaufman movies. I've I've come to understand is that it, it's like you said, like the Jennifer thing. She's always there to like help Marty and yeah, be the support. Yeah, it's never, yeah, never, it's never like really has her own. Yeah. Never really has her own. Yeah, agency mm-hmm. or whatever. Right on. So that's my top five. And uh, once cool. I see Time Bandits, I'll let you know if it, that changes. Yeah, you're going to want to do a whole episode on that. <laughs> right on. Uh, so on to the epilogue. At the end of every episode, we do a verdict whether or not we think a film should live. Or you should continue to monitor, to monitor it to see if our attitudes change. Or just kill it outright and never watch it again. What's, what's your verdict? Duh. <laughs> live forever. Same. I, I'm, I'm teetering on uh, the second one, continuing to monitor it. But I think we've hashed out pretty much all the horrible things in it mm-hmm. so as, as long as we watch it through that lens we can we can enjoy the nostalgia of it i think if someone does that remake on stage or film or whatever yeah that would have to be looked at yeah we'd have to, we'd sure. have to come up with something smarter my my interpretation of all this stuff all this this uh this just meanness and mean jokes and stuff from the past a lot of it is just lazy it's just like when people gave up on writing jokes, they, they didn't go for clever. They went for mean and got mm. the easy, got the easy laughs. And like, that's the stuff I hate the most. Easy laughs. But it's also not examining your own ideas and your own biases and your own prejudices and your own really like kind of white supremacy, if I might say that, and within the yeah. um, industry. And it's that's like, the, oh, these things are universal, so we're just going to write them in, and they're easy, but why are they easy? Like, those are things we I was not thinking about at 13, oh, yeah. and neither were the writers. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally, yeah. We don't, we don't do a lot of apologizing or uh, make excuse for people, but it was the era. It was the, you know, that's just how America was horribly racist and sexist. <laughs> from, Definitely the era, yeah. From, from forever up until... Um, just recently, but it still is. But it still is. <laughs> uh-huh. All right, on very exactly. good. So we're gonna let it live. Uh, probably gonna watch it again. Oh yeah. Over and over and over. Uh, so pluggables. Uh, should we plug your Twitch? Yeah. Um, I need to get you graphics. 
Yeah. And I'll, uh, I'll try to do that today. Whenever. Um, yeah, I still am setting some stuff up and I want to get a, yeah. Anyway. Yes, it's coming. Um, so I have it right uh, here. It's twitch.tv slash DJ two smalls, T O O smalls. Yes. And two you're smalls in the house. Right on. And you're going to be playing your old records and tapes. Yeah. So I'm going to be playing, um, what is left of my record collection and what I'm trying to rebuild from what I unfortunately had to sell back in the day that I uh, regret horribly and some cassettes that I have of my old radio shows plus old cassettes. And I'm think I'm going to add some CDs to the mix. Okay. So, um, yep. CDs, cassettes, records, who knows what's going to happen. Right on the, the cassettes. Talking, is... talking nostalgia. We're talking yeah, nostalgia. Exactly. The, the cassette playing thing is, is new to me. I've never seen anybody do that. And I'm very interested in listening to those. I haven't either. I probably, if I dig deeper, there are probably people doing it. I know there is this one guy, I can't remember if he's in Japan or Korea, who was mixing on cassettes. I'm sure there's more people doing that, but oh, I'm, 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 I will not be doing that. <laughs> right on. Well, Erica, thank you so much for taking the time to watch this horrible, horrible movie. Torture. <laughs> Thanks for having me and asking yeah, me to totally. do this. This is a we, lot of fun. We want to do a lot more. Um, I think for the next couple of weeks, probably even the next month, we'll be doing stuff just with the uh, either with the three founders of the podcast or try to get some other celebrities on. Three founders: you, Chuck, and me, Chuck, and uh, Javier Martinez. Is our oh Javier? I heard him yeah. on the last one. Okay. Yeah, all, all three of us uh, went to film school at the JC, so we're. That's, there you that's, go. That's how we all know each other. And we've, we've been trying for years to figure out how to get some kind of ritual where we meet up every week and talk. So this is it. It's working. You're doing it. That's Hell exciting. Yeah. So I have been Luke Lones. This is Erica Smallin, DJ Two Smalls. And this was The Nostalgia Killers. Yeah.